Someone once said, all religions tell you what you need to do for God, but Christianity is the only one that tells you what God has done for you. And in that one most sacrificial act is the very definition of salvation. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Welcome to Sabbath School University. My name is Bethany Anderson, and I would like to introduce our three guests who will be here for our lesson on salvation. Would you please introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Abigail McPherson. Hi, I'm Elroy. My name is Michael. And could you also tell something about yourself? <laughs> Sorry. I was raised in Atlanta, Georgia, or more affectionately known as Marietta. I am a huge monkey fan. I don't know why, but I am. <laughs> well, I'm here with you guys today, just a few weeks to um, my wife's delivery of our new baby girl, so oh. we're excited. Yeah. Congratulations. Cool. Um, would Elroy please read our Bible text and also open this up with a word of prayer? Sure, absolutely. Our key text is taken from John 3.16, and it reads, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father God, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to communicate with you. And so as we're here, we ask that you be with our minds and our hearts and open up a really great discussion that somebody can hear it and become closer to you. Is our prayer in your name. Amen. 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 So we're going to dive right in. Um, this lesson is salvation. And the first question comes about the verse that you just read. And it says, why do you suppose that John 3.16 is the most widely used scripture? Anyone can answer. Sure, yeah. Um, John 3.16, I think, is um, a widely known verse in scripture because of, of its message. It's, it's simple, yet it's, it's deep. Mm. So we're talking about God giving his only begotten son that whomever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And, and while that sounds simple, it's loaded. Mm. So I think it, it's become widely known because a lot of people are trying to understand um, how, how someone gives up their child and then if it's not just an individual, regular individual, this is a deity giving up his son so that someone else can have salvation. It doesn't make sense uh, on, on the surface. So I think people, people want to try to figure out what this means. And it's the basis for a lot of scriptural study and a lot of uh, a basis for a lot of people's um, religious identity. Hmm. I'd have to agree with you, Michael, but I also like the fact that it says, for God so loved the world, mm -hmm. making it very inclusive for everybody to be able to identify with it. Mm -hmm. So it's, he so loved the world. He didn't so love the Jews or the Israelites or <clears throat> any different, you know, race, but it, the entire world. So because it, he used the world, the entire world can identify with mm -hmm. it and also take it in place. So this is all inclusive experience. I mean, it is this, to me, I look at it and it's, it's just a major promise. You know, you don't have to perish you can have everlasting life. So, you know, I believe it means that you get the opportunity to just live forever. You know, you think about, um, well, one of the stories with the rich young ruler and how uh, Christ asked them, well, you know, are you willing to give up you know, your riches? You know, give up all that you have and you'll have treasure in heaven. And you can see that here, God gave his treasure. He gave his son. You know, so um, if he's giving his son, he's giving up the thing that, in a sense, that he loves the most um, just so we can 
commune with him forever. So. Yeah, um, I also believe that John three sixteen is is a good definition of the depths of the depth of God's love for us, and just how He was so willing to give up His treasure, like you said, for us. Like we don't deserve it, and yet He was so willing to give. Um, so, what does that say about salvation? What does John three sixteen say about the origin of our salvation? Um, as far as the origin is concerned, when I see it, it looks very simple. Like the only thing that we have to do is to believe uh -huh. that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. <clears throat> so it didn't give us a whole bunch of rules to do. It just says simply believe and you get everlasting life. So as far as the origin, it just seems like God gave up such a humongous part of his life and a humongous, humongous gift. And all we had to do was to believe it, and we in turn receive not only the treasure of His Son, but the gift of everlasting life. And, that, and that's really powerful, I think, for for religion in and of itself, to to understand that your salvation is birthed from the concept that someone gave up something else for you, and you didn't have to do anything to get it. It was a gift. It was something that that um, it was a covenant of sorts that that was given, it was offered for someone unworthy. Uh, I think that's powerful because can you, can you imagine um, when you receive gifts unexpectedly, uh, you, didn't, you didn't know it was coming, you didn't have to do anything to get it, all you had to do was reach out and receive it. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, when we're talking about the origin of our, our salvation and, and, we, and we stop and think about what it meant for someone to have given something just so that we can be saved. It, it makes you want to work on your life, on your relationship with this Savior. Um, what, what, what did he see in me? What did, what, what did I have to offer that caused him to want to give something for my salvation? So it's a very powerful concept, I believe. So what did you have to offer to get that salvation? I mean, we had nothing to offer. You know, <laughs> we didn't deserve this at all. And the fact that I think you said origin to me that this thing goes way back before any of us even existed. So there was some kind of plan that was hatched because they knew that we were lost. You know, we were, we were just lost. Once Adam and Eve committed that sin, we were done for. And so there was a plan I was forming saying, um, you know, I love these guys. I need to save them. They're all doomed. They have no idea they're doing it, but they're doomed. And so salvation was just this gift that was created uh, and that was planned, in, in a sense, um, from Christ dying on the cross, which was part of it, and our belief in him, um, I think that will actually give us the opportunity to receive that salvation. I think that helps us um, just appreciate the concept a little more, but the origin literally goes back to long before we were born, back in heaven. So, so um, we keep coming back to this topic or this point that salvation is a gift, but was it really free or did it really cost something? For me, I felt like it did cost something, and, but what was it? It cost Christ's life. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, when I think about the gift and the, 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 the exchange of what it means to give a gift and receive a gift, I didn't, it didn't cost anything for me to take it, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. but, but the way I look at it is I have to actually work harder not to be, not to be saved. I have to work not to receive a gift. Mm -hmm. If you bring something to me and I don't want it, I have to turn around and walk away from it. But if you left a gift on, on, on my chair, on my desk, I mean, it's there, it's mine, I have to take it. For mm -hmm. me not to want it, I have to go and throw it away. Right. I have to go do something physical to get rid of this gift. And so, um, you know, did it really cost anything? Not for me. Mm -hmm. um, 
it, it costs something from the person who gave it. And so I feel like um, when, you, when you receive a gift, most times you stop to think, what did I do to deserve it? Okay. Did I? Ha maybe you didn't have to do anything to deserve that gift. But in this case, um, I think when you're given the gift of salvation, you you st when you stop and think, you almost have this unspoken allegiance to the gift giver. What are you going to do to make yourself worthy? You can't do anything to make yourself worthy of salvation, but you can do something uh, to show gratitude. Right. You can live a life of gratitude. You can live a life that that helps to portray. Uh, your thanks for that gift. And um, I think as we talk more about this, this topic in this lesson, um, we will discover some of those things that, that God expects from us, not for salvation, but out of love, mm -hmm. out of gratitude. I think that when we finally accept the gift of salvation, that you also realize how many other gifts that we've been afforded, such as grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the fact that you now have been afforded everlasting life, you're thinking about the, on the drive to work, how, you know, his grace, you know, saved you from an accident that could have happened or how he's keeping your family safe. But just the, the, all the other things that come not with just salvation, because salvation is the way that we see it right now might be long term because Jesus hasn't come back yet. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, the things that we are receiving, that we are receiving favor, we are receiving blessings, we are waking up every morning. We become so much more thankful for the things that he's given us as salvation continues to get closer and closer and closer. Mm -hmm. And as we start to appreciate it more, we share the gift with others because why are you so happy? Mm -hmm. Why are you so satisfied when, you know, things are turmoil in the, in the world? Because not only are you satisfied and confident in the fact that your salvation is secure, but you're also thankful for the things that are happening in the present. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, Abby, you pointed out something about mercy and um, how does God, how does Christ's death on the cross reveal God's mercy to us? Somebody else dying for my sins. The ones that, at the time when he was crucified, I wasn't even born yet. But for him to die for the things that I have done and have yet to do, his mercy endureth forever. So it's beyond me. It's beyond today. It's beyond tomorrow. It's beyond the things that I don't even know that I'm going to do wrong as of yet, but he has secured my salvation through his mercy and allowed me to continue on um, and be able to spend eternity with him just because of his mercy. So that's... Mm -hmm. And I see mercy also as a, as a pardon, okay? Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking about um, how Christ's death is revealed um, and through God's mercy. You're wondering or you're, you're thinking um, about the concept of what mercy is. And if we're talking about from the very onset of, of creation, of, of human, human life, um, God was merciful because of our actions, which, which was sin. And the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. So for mercy to be displayed, there's a pardon, there's an interaction there taking place. And um, if we know that sin should yield death, for salvation to be a gift that's still offered, that's probably one of the best explanations or definitions of mercy. Uh, uh, God giving his son this gift. You're, give, you're being given a gift when you should be punished. Mm. Uh, that's merciful. Mm. You can repeat the question one more time. Uh, I wanted sure. to make sure. Um, how does Christ's death on the cross reveal God's mercy? <sighs> Man, I mean... You just think about it. You think of all the stories in the Bible of all the people that messed up, of the fate that they were going to face, 
And then once again, just him sending his son, just saying, okay, we've got to do something about this. You know, I love these guys. I've got to save them. Mm -hmm. And so there was serious mercy that was shown for somebody who literally knew no sin, committed no sin, but still felt the same temptations that we felt. And dying a death, and not just any kind of death, but this was a very embarrassing, just uh, really just, just dehumanizing kind of death um, just to save us. You know, I think that's serious mercy. It's God saying, all right, I don't need to... Uh, they have the opportunity to have eternal life. They have the second chance now because of the fact that I sent my son um, in their place because we were all supposed to die the death that he did. So I'm just thankful that he showed mercy on my behalf. He looked years later and saw that, you know, me and my sinful nature would have needed um, Christ's death to be able to be saved. So. so if we deserve the death that Christ did die for us, doesn't that kind of... How is that fair? Um, how does Christ's death show God's, God's justice to us? I think it's the beautiful thing. It's not fair. And I think, I, I love the fact that it's not fair. If it was fair, then as humans, we'd be able to reason and understand it. But first of all, we can't fully understand God. We, we don't understand the method. I don't want to say the method to his madness, but we just don't understand the way he operates. Mm -hmm. So you sit there in awe and you just have to, you just have to be thankful. You know, I will, to this day, I'll never understand why a man goes and dies in my place for sins that I may commit, you know, two days, two weeks, two months from now. I'll never understand it. And I think that's the, the beauty about it. But also knowing that that sin is going to beget death, um, you know someone's life has to be taken, okay? Uh, if you're going to die, if, if, if sin begets death and someone has to die, the mercy comes in because it's not you. And justice comes in because, because life was taken. But um, the gift that we see through that manifestation of mercy and justice, Jesus' life, the one and only Son of God, um, that's probably a, a story that's so in-depth, we probably couldn't get into the depth of it right here in, in this discussion. But, but, but on the surface level, understanding what it meant, and, and you, can, you can see how justice is applied because if sin is supposed to bring forth death and we're not, we're not the ones dying, that's mercy displayed, but death is still being paid, hmm. but it's through God's son. Hmm. I agree. I agree um, with you, Michael, that the only way that we could be justified was through a sinless being. Mm -hmm. And that was from, you know, the heavenly being of Jesus coming down. And he's the only person that could come here and live a sin-free life to, to be able to justify us through the ultimate sacrifice of him dying mm -hmm. on the cross. That was the only way. There was no other person on earth that can go through all the things that he went through and be tempted in all the ways that he was, because he says that, you know, he was tempted in ways that everybody was. He knew all of our different struggles, but he was the only person that could come and handle it, and it was a sacrifice as big as his own death. That would be able to cover all of our sins and, you know, it was his blood that can give us the opportunity to even be justified. Mm -hmm. Like our own blood, even if we die for our, if we die for our own sins, it still wouldn't be good enough. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be good enough because we are sinful. Mm -hmm. So it took a sinful, a sinless person mm -hmm. to be able to even give us that opportunity because, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't going to happen any other way. Mm -hmm. wow. So basically... Justice and mercy were met at the cross. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what illustrations did Jesus use to say that he was going to die as a substitute for us? Um, in the Bible, I know he talks about being a ransom. He talks about being a lamb for the slaughter. But are there any other substitutes that he said that he would be? 
maybe we can take some from the word. Hmm. Uh, can we go to Matthew 20, 28? Let's Okay, is everyone there? Mm -hmm. Okay, Matthew 20, 28 uh, says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can hold there, I have one more verse. So there's Matthew 20, 28, and now there's John 15, 13. And um, to me, I don't know, the way these verses uh, connected was interesting for me because there was a lot of foreshadowing. So John 15, 13, if everyone is there, it says, greater love hath no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So here, you know, Christ is, is talking about, first of all, I didn't come for, for you to shower me with praise, for you to shower me with love. I came to serve. Mm -hmm. And so service doesn't necessarily just mean, you know, performing miracles and doing healing, but ultimately dying on the cross. That was, you know, his ultimate form of service. And then so in John 15, 13, he says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So literally, you can talk about laying one's life down um, figuratively to say, okay, well, I'm putting the, you know, the pleasures and the things that I indulge in aside in order for me to look out for you, right? Mm -hmm. But he's literally laying his life down here. And so I think there was a lot of great foreshadowing there. And this was just an example that I found here in the Gospels of, you know, Christ showing that he was going to die. Okay. Anybody else? Can you read the question? Oh, sure. <laughs> um, what illustrations did Jesus use to indicate that he was going to die as a substitute for us? There's just so many. <laughs> There's just so many. Like, he did everything. He told parables. He gave examples. Like, it's just, when it all boils down to it, he just kept telling us. And he was direct and he was, you know, informal. He was very formal, but... At the end of the day, that's, that's exactly what he did. And he tried to, you know, warn us and give us, you know, the, the heads up. But people did not believe it mm -hmm. until it actually happened. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost like it didn't matter how much if he wrote it down, if he told a story, if he explained it to you one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. the people did not believe him until he took his last breath. They was like, oh, come down. You can save yourself. Oh, he's not really going to go all the way through with this. They did not believe that Jesus Christ was going to die for anyone until he was actually dead. Mm -hmm. Abby said it, you know, they said destroy this temple and what, in three days he'll raise it up? So they had no idea what he was talking about, but he didn't, I don't think they realized that he was talking about himself. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's so many times he was referring to himself and, you know, they just never got the picture. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, um, three days came back up, praise God, right? So um, in light of what we've discussed about salvation. What is salvation to you? Like, how do you make salvation personal for yourself? We mentioned earlier, there's nothing you can do to earn salvation. Hmm. But, um, but when you think about what salvation means, to me, I feel as though I, I've got to find some way to show thanks for that gift. Um, and, and nothing I do is going to be worth um, that the, the measure of that gift, but, but pure praise, pure gratitude, uh, a life devoted to Christ, a life devoted to living as he would have us live, I think is a, a true testimony to, to that gratitude. So for salvation for me is, is the reason why you still exist. So give that, give that reason a purpose. Live out that purpose, live out that reason. 
um, uh, manifest that gift into a life that can be used to help perhaps uh, share that gift with others. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, for me, salvation is just walking around thankful, you know, just knowing that I can't go through this day on my own, mm -hmm. you know, and it's so easy to think that, you know, everything that we receive and everything that we do is, is because of us and our own work, you know, and, um, and Christ completely was just the complete opposite, you know, um, it's all about service. He just says, you know, service and, uh, <sighs> I'm just rendered, to be honest, I'm rendered Render speechless. speechless. Yeah. I'm rendered speechless yeah. because, you, you know, you really try to think about it and, and you can't, you can't fully describe it. You literally have to walk around just thankful and knowing that, um, as Mike said earlier, that there no, there's no work that I can do. There's no good in myself that I can do to get myself into heaven. And oftentimes it's a, a personal experience. Mm -hmm. Salvation uh, will mean something different to each individual. Mm -hmm. Your journey, your walk through this life uh, will manifest itself in, in many different ways. And so when you, when you see that gift of salvation manifested in your life, uh, I, can see, I can see where that leaves one unable to express. But, but I think down in the root and the core of every individual that understands the gift of salvation, uh, they know that there is a meaning, there is a purpose that, that drives their life uh, towards, um, towards expressing that, that gratitude for, for the gift. Mm -hmm. I know for me, fortunately and unfortunately, I need a lot of reminders. Mm -hmm. So I have to um, post things on my wall, write on my mirror. I really have to sit down and reflect sometimes because I can get so ahead of myself, even within the realm of service. Like my entire life is service right now. Mm. Uh, from you know the job that I'm doing to ministries at church, everything is service. And you can get so caught up in doing good that you forget why you're doing good or who you're doing good for. Mm -hmm. And it's not even doing good for God because you know nothing that we do will ever be good enough. But mm -hmm. to really think back and be like, okay, why am I feeding the homeless? Mm -hmm. Why am I giving to the poor? And it's because you, you really need to look back to see what God has done for you mm -hmm. and the salvation that you've already been afforded. So when it comes down to what salvation means to me, I need reminders. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, there's no bigger reminder than, than the ultimate sacrifice that, that Christ did. But because it was long ago and because I didn't see it with my own eyes, I have to be thankful for the things that he's doing mm -hmm. and that he's done for me personally. Mm -hmm. So I find that my salvation... Um, I value it a lot more when I tell my testimony, which takes hours at times, <laughs> because it's 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 like okay, this is what he's done, you know, for me personally. Like he he died for me, yes, but yesterday, I got a parking space. Okay. You know, yesterday I had an extra twenty dollars. Okay. Stuff like that. So it, it, when it comes down to it, it's like he's still thinking just of me when there's billions of other people that he's catering to and serving as well. Mm -hmm. So salvation can be made personal because if you were the only person who needed it, mm. he would have done it for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Mm. And that makes it definitely for me a reason to be joyful and grateful for what he did. Mm -hmm. um, and how do you explain salvation to other people? Like when you're, aside from like in your actions and things like that, like when someone asks you why you're so happy or why you've done why you do what you do, like, and they don't want to, or they don't understand salvation for themselves. How do you make it so that they can understand it for themselves? Mine is always testimony, always. I have proof mm -hmm. of what he's done for me mm -hmm. personally. I can't tell what he's done for everyone, what he's done mm -hmm. for Michael. Mm -hmm. But as far as Abigail's concerned, 
I have stories that backdate and backlog. I even think from, you know, the time I was born, from like actual like the day I was born. You remember the day you were born? I don't remember. <laughs> but the events that took place, it's just like God has been saving me from before I was conceived. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it's just my personal testimony. And my, my testimony goes on and on and on for days. But, you know, God always instructs me on what specifically to share. So it's like, even if it's not something that they, you know, receive at that point in time, I only pray that it's a seed that's been planted in one day in the future that they might think of the story that I told them personally and, and develop their own relationship with Christ off of that. Another, I think another way to help explain salvation is to, to challenge individuals to a life of gratitude. And um, you may not understand the concept of, of who God is and, and how he came to exist and how we came to be. Mm -hmm. But um, I think everyone connects with uh, living a decent life. Mm -hmm. I think everyone connects with uh, a, a moral system at some point. And, um, you know, if you challenge an individual to look back and live each day as if they were not in control. Live each day as if someone else was controlling it or as if your life depended on someone else. I bet you'd be a little more careful with the decisions you made. You'd be a little more careful with, with the, the way you spent your time, uh, with how you treated others. And um, I think through, there's something about living a life of kindness, a life of gratitude that, that manifests a Christ-like tendency. I think it opens up doors, it opens up opportunities for your heart to be reached. And I think, um, I think that's our purpose. Our purpose here is to present people with an opportunity for Christ to reach them. And um, so salvation is already theirs. It's just something they have to reach out and accept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you're, you're wearing your story. Mm -hmm. You know, Abby said it before, she has tons of testimonies. I'm sure we all do here at this table, but I mean, at the end of the day, when, when, you're, when you're dealing with salvation, you're lit you literally, you want to be filled with joy. You know, it's so easy to, to throw out negativity. It's so easy to tell somebody, oh, I'm having a bad day. I'm having a horrible week. You know, oh, I need money to feed the kids, you know, and all these different kind of excuses. But if you're joyful, people will look at you and for something like, why is he so happy? Why is mm -hmm. he so happy? What's going on with him? They might either be upset or they might be ready to ask you more questions. And from there, you can share your story because joy is just as much contagious as as sadness or maybe the other way around. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're going to end. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for all of your input. It was a very, very lively discussion. And I, I think that everyone who is watching will definitely see a different take on salvation. If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www sabbathschoolthelettereu.org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Bethany Anderson. <laughs> <laughs>